Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com/style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com/style. Hello and welcome back to Sofa Cinema Club. I'm Colton Smith and as always I'm joined by Oh shit, Jack P. Shepherd. Oh, fucking bollocks. Come on, ben. it's easy. It's a tapping. Kevin, what's his surname? Come on. I can't fucking remember. The whole world is screaming at you now. Tell me. McAllister. McAllister, I knew that. <laughs> I'm Ben McAllister. The Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together to educate each other on films. Now it's all about the films we should have seen, but we haven't. Each week we set a film for each other to watch, and then we come into the studio and we talk about what we loved, hated, and rated about the film. The beauty of our film club is that anybody can join in. All you have to do is watch along with the film at home, and then join us every Thursday to find out what we thought. As it's December, we've gone full guns Christmas special, and this week's film is Jack's choice. It is Home Alone. But before we get into talking all things Home Alone, as always, how's your week been? Uh, I got stuck in snow. In snow? Where? It hasn't been snowing. No, my brother's uh, wedding. You know, we had the stag do. Yeah. Well, week after we had wedding. Oh yeah. And it snowed. Alaska. It, no, no, no. It snowed in Leeds, and it was bad. And you know, my car doesn't go anywhere in snow. Good on fuel, as we worked out as well. As we worked out, doesn't go anywhere. I got stuck, and it was literally a light dusting. It was English snow. You know that snow that isn't snow that's just a bit slush. It was that, but my car wouldn't move, and I saw that it was coming down. I was in Leeds, and I had to get back to Manchester. And I thought, this is I'm snowed in material. So I says, we're going to have to go now. So the kids are like, what? We don't have to go for another hour or something. I went, right, this is coming down, this snow. If we don't move now, we're staying here the night. Yeah! I bet they were like that, weren't they? Yeah! Home alone. We're off. Cue my sister just coming in and saying, hi. I'm like, right, I'm moving now. I'm going. I have to move my car because I won't get up the hill. So I'm going to set off driving. Meet me at the bottom of the drive. Yeah, and you're going to come up behind me with the kids and the bags. So she does. So they're packing packing up, and I'm, I just sped up. I didn't speed off. I drove off. With them? No, 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 I have to leave. I have to go. Ben, it's coming down. I have to move. 
So I'm driving and I'm thinking, I have to go somewhere where there's no snow on the road because my car will just spin. It'll just go and you'll have a crash. So where did you go? Well, where is there where I can park my car where it's road but no snow can get to it? Ooh, this is, a, is this one of those things? It's like a tricky underground car park. Petrol station. Petrol, I was going to say petrol station. Good, isn't it? Yeah. So I had to get to this petrol station and then wait for my sister to get there, which my sister took about 40 minutes to get there because she got, she got stuck in all the snow traffic. And she went, do you realise you've come the worst way? And I went, I came the only fucking way I could, which was straightforward. I had to stay on a road. Don't you know what I'm dealing with here? Honestly. I'm dealing with a car that can't drive. I can't drive the car <laughs> in anything like precipitation. Honestly. It's like I had square tyres. <laughs> <laughs> they would have been good for your square tyres. Ben, anything? Um, yeah, first uh, first Monopoly game of the Christmas season. Now, I love, I hate Monopoly, but I love the arguments. Oh, yes. So as soon as you start playing Monopoly, you literally are buying, properly buying things, aren't you? Like, you own it. So yeah. if you buy Whitechapel, yeah. you buy Park Lane or whatever... You own it. Yeah. And suddenly you get all shitty when someone goes, oh, do you need to mortgage that? So we start off and I said, we've got an hour. An hour? For Monopoly? It's days. You have to buy, you have to buy as much shit as you can, get round, make as much money as you can and get out. So you get one go round, buy everything. So I'm buying, I've got fuck all. I've got all different colours of the rainbow. I can't fucking see the colours anyway, I'm colour blind. <laughs> My wife... Bing, she's got pink. She's all pink. Now, they do a trade. My wife and my daughter do a trade. <laughs> my fucking son is only looking at one thing, you know. He's got Mayfair and Park Lane. That's all he's looking at. He doesn't give a shit about anything else. He wants a wad of money and he wants Park Lane and Mayfair. <laughs> so, so my wife is building up an absolute hotel plaza on one side of the board. Yeah, I take this approach. as a, so I, I'm You get on early. Wife, yeah. You get in early and, buy, pink or yellow. and buy cheap. Buy cheap. Yeah. Pink, yellow, or orange. That's where you want to be. I like green. Because it's the only one you can it's see. It's the only one I get. Are, are, are they, I'm not sure they're the. Are, are they genuine Monopoly colours? Yeah, but it's the yeah. way I see them. See, I buy brown, which is dirt cheap. No it? one buys fucking brown. Exactly. Do you know how much you get when you land on it? You get two. <laughs> two. Two quid. Two. Have you got change? <laughs> I always, if ever I land on Old Kent Road, I always bung them a fiver. <laughs> give, give them a bit more. <laughs> I don't need it. I don't need the money. Have five. Have ten. I don't need the money. So I fucking love it. So we play that bollocks where you put all your fines in the middle. If you land on free parking, you yes, get that. That's a good one. That's a good one. And then if you land on go, you get 400, not just 200. Why? Because you've only got an hour to fucking play. Oh, that's bollocks. But then, so so you can't you can't go skint, basically. You can't go skint. So anyway, so I've got, fuck all, I've got a rainbow. I'm not winning. But fucking, my son has got fucking Mayfair. <laughs> and he's looking at part lane. I shake the dice. And every time I piss everyone off, because I blow on the dice. And I go, come on, here we go. Like you roll. Everyone fuck, but I do it on everyone. <laughs> Every fucking row. And I rolled it. And he was counting in his head. And he went, <gasps> oh no. You've got part lane. <laughs> and I did the one but they then buying it so then oh, no. my wife's fucking built she's built fucking 
an enormous fucking amount. Skyscraper. <laughs> Skyscrapers on one side of the board. My daughter's got red. I've got fuck all. But I've got part lane. He goes to me, trade, and I go, trade. No. No. <laughs> and he said, yeah, but I'll give you all my money and all my properties just for that. And I said, but you won't have fuck all. And I went, let me think about it. He said, what, you've got to think about it now. And I said, no, give me a go round and then I'll think about it. Goes round. Okay. No, straight off. It's fucking, <laughs> we're off, aren't we? We're off, of course. I've thrown the grenade in. He's off. He's walked. <laughs> and then he comes back, he comes back. Oh, well, it's going to be no good now because I won't get anything. And then, as we, of course, as we're going round, we fucking walk into fucking Trump Plaza. All of us, <laughs> all of us in a row. And it's 4.50 ago. And he lands yeah. twice. <laughs> <laughs> Did you get the double one? He got the double one. He goes twice. Well, my fucking head's gone. Oh, my fucking head has fucking got his stint with no properties. <laughs> And I'm fucking terrible in these situations because I don't give a shit if I win or lose. It just makes me laugh when people lose their fucking... So that was our first Monopoly. It all went to shit. People walked off, Mm. came back. But fuck me, Monopoly, absolutely... That was my fucking... That was the first Monopoly of the Christmas season. My sister's nickname used to be The Flipper because she'd just flip the board halfway through. (laughs) Do you know what I love? The series of cheats. One... When someone nominates RB Banker and you're like, yeah, you've, you're clearly fucking paying yourself. You've got no fucking clue how much change you've got. You've got, and my son does this as well. He confuses the banker. Can you change the 50 for, yeah, yeah, no, no, I give you a hundred. Can you just do two 500s and, and I can see him doing it. He's coming out with piles of money. I'm like, this is fucking good. Do you know what we did to try and stop the arguments? We've got a computer in the middle. It's a top hat and it will keep all your money in it. Oh. So it knows what money you can't fucking cheat. Oh, so it's like, it's not, it's cashless monopoly. It's cashless monopoly <laughs> and you don't get the cards for the, um, it knows which fucking properties you bought. Yeah. Do you remember, Jack, when we first moved in together and we didn't have a TV for like the first three weeks, we just played monopoly every, and we didn't move the board. So we yeah, just. Yeah, it stays. Because, yeah. Um, it, it takes days, monopoly. It stayed on Aladdin's rug in the middle of the flat. And we'd go to bed, and then when we came back from work, we'd go straight back to play Monopoly. And it was like every night for until the TV came. <laughs> Last Christmas, I bought my mum and dad a game. So they have like a, a, a pub in the house, and I bought them a game for in the pub. And it's called the Really Nasty Horse Racing Game. Catchy. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you now, it has been designed to cause arguments, and it's bloody brilliant. What do you have to do? So you have a track and you're a horse and you roll a dice and that's how much you move and you're racing against each other but you get opportunities to knock each other off the horse, do things, move each other out of the lane and you bet on yourself or each other as well. So like, I might have 200 quid on the fact my mum's going to win and I might be in the lead by a mile and my mum might be second. So I'm like... Really, I need her to win. Oh, so you start throwing it. it it's, it's just a very good game. I like anything that has an element of that in it. But I will tell you what. So we played that on Christmas Day. I don't think we've played it since. Arguments, I love it. Like when someone's playing charades and they go, film, and every time you just go, White Christmas. 
you don't they haven't even started and you just throw films out all the fucking time <laughs> i fucking love doing it. just let me start please okay yeah fine fine white christmas it's not fucking white christmas no words can't use your words <laughs> <laughs> how many syllables oh god that's brilliant shall we get into it and talk about home alone yeah jack your first ever solo synopsis here we go here we fucking go after slagging mine off Home Alone is the tale of a family that are going on holiday for Christmas holidays and they're going to France. Starts in the McAllister household. Family's running around like headless chickens. They're trying to get packed. They're trying to get ready because they're flying out to France the next day. They go to France and they leave their eight-year-old son home alone in the house. They get to France and they realise he's home alone he then has to spend three, four days alone he, and he has to protect his house. Is he alone? He's in the home alone. And he has to protect the, his home with the uh, two baddies, the wet bandits, which are Bill... Bill Pesci? <laughs> who the fuck is he? Bill, Bill Pesci. <laughs> and who's the other one? Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern. Uh, they play the wet bandits and they're trying to rob his house and he's trying to stop them on his own. You always say that Ben's synopsis are too short. I think yours are too long. I think you just need to just find somewhere in the middle, a bit like mine, and you'll be fine. <laughs> I was trying to avoid saying home alone. <laughs> well, you didn't. I oh, know, I didn't. Boy left home alone. John Hughes classic. We all watch this. The full family. All the family. And do you know what? My kids, and I didn't realise this, watch it religiously every year. They never told me. Yeah, I think everybody does. Everybody does. No, no, but uh, not with me. Oh. They watch it. <laughs> they go, no, 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 I watched it. Like, literally, my son had watched it two days before, and he said, no, I'll sit with you and watch it. So we all sat and watched it. Mint. Yeah. Great family film. Hanny's mum had not seen it. Oh, What? She's like, what it's, what's it about? And I told her and she went, I'll give it a go. I'll give it a go. There's a few of them, isn't there now? Home Alone 1, Home Alone 2. Is there a third? In my eyes, there's only Home Alone 1 and 2. Yeah. That's the Macaulay Culkin. That's the Chris Columbus. Yeah. That's the John Hughes. They've just made, remade the first one, haven't they? I don't think it's a remake. I think it's just another one. It's, it's another... Oh, I see, I see. Another Home Alone, yeah. I think there's like four or five. I've only ever seen the first one. The second one's good. People always say the second one's the best. It isn't. My kid said that. My daughter said that. It isn't in any way, shape or form the best. Any way, shape or form, I like that. Why? Because everyone gets excited that it's in New York. That's it. That pigeon woman's in it way too fucking much. I've worked with her. Have you? She's mint. Brenda Fricker. I've worked with her. She's fucking good. Yeah, the pigeon woman. Yeah, I like the pigeon woman. Yeah, but she, she gets too much airtime. Had she just won the Oscar? My left foot. Well, all my, she's playing old man Marley's part in in the second one. Yeah. And in the first one, he's in it just enough. Not to take up too much screen time, just enough. Who's old man Marley? He's the old guy in Home Alone 1. Ah, yeah, the neighbour, the neighbour, yeah. Yeah. How would you feel about being home alone? I have a story about being home alone, so... Oh, God, it looks sad. It isn't. My mum and dad rarely left me and Hannah at home. Obviously, the story of how I got into acting was that I had to go somewhere after school because I wasn't allowed to go home after school until my parents got home. Like, I wasn't trusted. So, me and Hannah have been left home alone. 
because it is my mum and dad's 25th wedding anniversary. How old are you? Four and two. <laughs> Hannah's like 15. I'm like 30. No, Hannah will have been like 16. I'll have been like 13. Okay, that's fine. You've had a fight. No, actually, it was probably this night that put the fight into an end. So, we're home alone. We're fine. We're loving it. Parents are away. I go into the kitchen. And at the time, between the kitchen and the lounge, we used to have glass doors. Yeah? And I've gone to get a can of Coke out of the kitchen. And as I've come back, I've shut the door and I've gone to shut the door with my back. And I've fell through the glass door smashed the glass door and I'm I'm going to send you a picture now because the glass door had a cutout <laughs> of me and the only thing Jack that saved my life was the stair gate for the dogs because I landed on the stair gate and didn't rather than going through yeah, the glass so didn't go through but this has happened at like midnight mum and dad are back in the morning so me and Hannah are thinking how can we replace this door We've got to replace this door from a 19th, 18th century house. Like, how how on earth mm. are we going to do it? Like, it was mm. stained glass. Let's blow glass. So, we, we, we were trying for ages. We asked the neighbours if they knew where the previous owners <laughs> got the doors from, blah de blah And anyway, when they got back, we were dead honest, and we told them that we were going to replace the door, and we'd been searching, and Dad will like... If you just shut it with your back... That's not. That's not. Are you remembering that I used to be a much bigger boy, Ben? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it's not like it's not like a bad thing. You've just shut the door with your back. It's not like you were fighting, got pushed yeah. through. I suppose just at the time, though, you shit yourself and you think my mum and dad are going to go fucking mental. Let me find you the picture. Jesus Christ! Nice sofa. Your face, fucking hell! Your face. Eighteenth century. 18th century, like, get fucked. <laughs> 1970s. 70s. As if in the 18th century, they fucking glass like that. And doors. That fucking sofa's from the 18th century. <laughs> the sofa was awful. I'd like to point out the decor has changed slightly in the house now. It looks like Bart Simpson's falling through the glass. <laughs> Doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> It fucking does. It looks like you've thrown Bart through your 18th century kitchen door. <laughs> Have that Bart, you fucking doing my tits in. The, I love the catcher over the top. The door isn't okay. And your face. It, it, was, it was a bad moment. So that is kind of my story of being home alone. And I remember when Dad got home, he was like, thank fuck you didn't replace the doors. I've never liked them. It's like, gives an excuse to get rid of them. I wonder if that's worth posting on the Sofa Cinema Club Instagram. You can let everyone else slag off my parents' decor in 2010, seeing as you two have. It's only because you said it was 18th century. 18th century. It was, it, it, it was glass doors in an old house. <laughs> but they're gone now. That is... It's funny. It's the Bart Simpson. What about you? Have you got any Home Alone stories to top that? <sighs> we were left on our own all the time. I don't I can't even remember a time when I had my parents there. <laughs> <laughs> Never fell through a glass door. We were all... Oh, it was a different time then. All the time you were left on your own. Good luck. Or left outside. Sometimes you were just left outside. I'm going out. You were left outside. You tried to get back in the house and you could Left outside. Back to Home Alone. Back to home alone. Macaulay Culkin. I can't say his name. I've never been able to say his name. Macaulay. Is this his first film? No. 
He'd done Uncle Buck, which was John Hughes' film. Ah, uh, yeah. And that's John Candy, and John Candy's in this film, isn't he? Yeah. He's the musician. So is John Candy in all of John Hughes' films? Well, he's like his go-to, isn't he? Like what Scorsese was with De Niro and DiCaprio. And John Hughes did Uncle Buck, which Macaulay Culkin is in, and he got the idea while making that film that maybe I just I write a film about this kid. Wow. And he couldn't direct all of the films. I mean, he was writing that fucking fast. He couldn't do them all. So Chris Columbus was an up-and-coming director who John Hughes had seen and liked and sort of saw him as a bit of a prodigy and someone who um, was similar work ethics to John Hughes. And he gave the script to him and said, what do you think of this? He gave him both scripts, Home Alone and another one. And Chris Columbus said, I really like the Home Alone one. I think it's, it's, I was laughing out loud while reading it. I think it's some of the best, uh, one of the best comedies, um, family comedies I've read. So he was on board with doing it. Took it to Warner Brothers. Warner Brothers were on board with writing it. And they said, how much do you think this is going to cost, John? And he said, well, look, the star of the show is a, an eight, ten-year-old boy. Uh, it's not Clint Eastwood. It's not Mel Gibson. Uh, and at the time, in the late 80s and 90s, it was like action films, wasn't it? Predator, all that. So those type of films, the reason why they were so expensive was because of the main star, like a Schwarzenegger. And it didn't have that. It had an eight-year-old kid as the star. So it was going to be relatively cheap. So he said about $10 million and we'll make this film possible. So Warner Brothers said, yeah, okay, we'll do it for $10 million. Um, they got the cast. They they offered it to Joe Pesci. Joe Pesci loved it and said, "Yeah, do it," which they couldn't believe because he's a big, serious actor and not really done anything like that. He wasn't known for that. Yeah, he'd done Rage and Bull, obviously, with um, which we've covered on the podcast. And uh, he would go on, obviously, I think the same year or the year after to do Goodfellas, which he won an Academy Award for. So he's a massive, massive star. And um, they got him. They got Joe Pesci. They cast Catherine O'Hara. I think it's Catherine O'Hara. Is that the mum? The mum. And um, Daniel Stern, they cast as Marv, obviously, who's the other wet bandit. And they set to go and start filming in Chicago with their cast. And while production's underway and everything... The budget starts to creep up. So it started out at like 10 million. And it starts just to go up a little bit as they're filming. So they had their sort of like production location in Chicago. The house. No, not the house. Like the main unit base where all the production is, you know, the art department, costume, makeup, all that. And they do build some interior sets of the house in there. Because the house is just for exterior. The one that you see, the Home Alone house that everybody's familiar with, yeah, that's just exterior. Interior scenes, they're all in a studio, in like a school. And it's the same school that they used for Ferris Bueller. Wow, start. The sets that they use in Home Alone for the house, they built in the same school that they used the set for Ferris Bueller and The Breakfast Club and, and all those other John Hughes films. So... Warner Brothers say, how much is this film costing now? Because it's going up. And they say, it's about 
15 million. Easy on the Pepsi fuller. Exactly. <laughs> Easy on the Pepsi fuller. They say, well, if, if you just stick with us, we, we think we're all right. They went, give us a breakdown of everything. Now, this is the week before Christmas that they're filming. They give him the breakdown in a, on a memo, like the next day, and say, 14.7 million will get us over the line. We've took his budget back as much as we can, and we need that. They've already spent 13. So they're asking for an extra 1.7 million. And Warner Brothers say no. They close the film down. They send a memo back to Chris Columbus, John Hughes, and they say, tell everyone to go home. No film. They've already spent 13 million. Yeah, and they say, no, we're not doing it. So obviously they'll just get it all back or something. I don't know. I think there used to be, I don't know where there still is, but there used to be a difference in tax. So if you made it, but you didn't release it, they might be able to defer that money as tax, tax efficiently. So maybe it wasn't tax efficient to finish it well over budget. So they've just gone, fine, we've lost that money. So everybody lost their job just a week before Christmas. They're all in these production buildings and they're like, what What the fuck? What? What's going on? John gets on the phone, John Hughes, to um, 20th Century Fox. Because we all know Home Alone did get made, yeah? We've all just bloody watched it. We all know it got made. But is it not a Warner Brothers film? It's 20th Century Fox. Oh, so they sold it to them. 20th Century Fox say, well, what's the story, John? What's going on? So he tells them and says, look, it's a little boy. He's left alone. His family go away. They're trying to get back to rescue him. And he's in a house and there's robbers trying to get in. It's family fun, it's Christmas film, it's really funny. So they go, that sounds like a great story. How much do you need? And he says, well, we only need 1.7 mil to get over the line. They, they won't give us it. I mean, we've spent 13, blah, blah, blah. And they said, well, yeah, we'll give you the rest. We'll, give you, we'll jump in the change. We'll do it. We'll make it. So as Warner Brothers is shutting down, the guy from Warner Brothers comes to the production office to tell everybody to down tools as he goes in one office to close it down as he leaves that office the 20th century fox guy goes in behind him and rehires everyone as 20th century fox and they are now making the film as literally as he's going out and by the time he got to the end of all the offices he saw the guy from like 20th century fox and he's like what are you doing he went get out now you fired it's a bonanza Woo! we're making it so who pays the 13 million I don't know the logistics, Colson, but that's what I Don't happened. ask, don't go, don't, don't dig, dig too, too deep. deep. It's not fucking Dragon's Den. But so, and then the 20th Century Fox, have they had, have they made all the money that the film's ever made? Oh, holy shit, handsome. I'll tell you how much they've made. They've made close to a billion dollars. So because Warner Brothers didn't put up an extra 1.3 million or whatever it was, 1.7. Not a bad return. They've lost out on a billion <laughs> Imagine that! Imagine being the dickhead who did that call! I bet he's not got a job anymore. One billion, you'd be gutted, wouldn't you? So, Kevin's family are in Paris, and they've left him behind. And before they've left him behind, he has said to his mum, I don't belong in this family. I wish I didn't have a family. I just want to be home alone forever. And then he gets his wish, because they forget to take him on holiday. And when he's alone... He's revisited by someone we met earlier in the film, who we met as a police officer, who quite clearly isn't a police officer. And that is 
Joe Pesci, and he is playing... He's just a robber, isn't he? Like a no-good sort of career criminal. Mm. Quite smart, really. Go round. What are you up to for Christmas? Just checking. We're going away. Perfect. Yeah. Worked out that this street that obviously has quite a lot of money... A lot of them are going away for the holidays. So he knows which houses they're, they're going to hit, what the houses they're going to rob. And they pick the McAllisters as a potential target because the mum quite clearly has a lot of money. It's quite a grand house. There's money in there. Let's do it. And when they go around to rob, they kind of keep getting put off, don't they? Because they realise that someone's in the house. Now, they don't know that it's just little old Kevin on his own. You know, they they think the family might not have gone away. And then when Kevin works out that he might be getting robbed, he starts to play a few mind tricks with him, doesn't he? He starts to realise he's going to have to defend the house on his Todd, isn't he? He's going to have to get together some of his... He's best. He goes to the shop, doesn't he? He's very good, actually. He's fucking good on his own, isn't he? He's been left some money, goes shopping, does his clothes, eats loads of chocolate shit. Mm. It's a great time. And then he thinks, I've got to defend the house. So he goes round and sets up all his fucking traps. And what I love about this film is that it sort of... It touches every single sort of thing that a kid thinks as being a child. Like, yes, it'd be fun being left alone in the house you can do what you want stay up late watch what you want eat what you want but then there's the element that someone's trying to get in burglars i'm scared your neighbor's a murderer neighbor's the murderer the boiler in the in the basement that's scary it's windy on a night it's dark i loved it in the bed do you notice in the bed there was an armchair yeah like a pregnancy pillow (laughs) oh yeah yeah, like a pregnancy pillow, but it's a pillow in the shape of an armchair. Straight off, I'm like, that is fucking good. That's why America have got it better than us. Yeah, that's a bed, a seated bed. It goes down the stairs on the sledge. That's fucking great as well. That's the first thing he thinks of. Yeah. He does really well to defend his house, doesn't he? Because he kind of, he overhears the burglars saying, it's just the kid. There's no adults. He's been playing tricks on us. Let's come back at 9pm and let's do the little bugger. Yeah. You know, he knows he's got until 9pm to prepare the house, to set up his defences, basically to save his family from being burgled. So he takes it on him, doesn't he, to kind of prepare. There's that good scene at church just before where he kind of calls it on the way back from town. It's sort of like an old style Western (laughs) that... The clock's going to get to 12 and he goes to church to say goodbye. It's like that feeling of, this is the last time I might be alive. I'm about to face the baddies. Here we fucking go. And he has a great scene with that old guy. I really like that scene. Yeah, because in the script originally, there weren't enough of those heartfelt moments. It was just bang, one trap to another, one gag, one gag. And and, every, and there wasn't that sort of moment where you went, what is the real message of Christmas? Or anything lovey-dovey and anything Christmas. like that. And Chris Columbus thought it just needs that. If it's going to tick the boxes of, you know, Christmas film and what you need, you need those lovey-dovey moments. You do. 
and that was one that him and John Hughes sort of like argued back and forth with, but they sort of compromised and came up with that scene where it's him, Macaulay Culkin and the old guy in the church. And you have to remember, Macaulay Culkin's eight years old doing that scene. I really liked that scene. And if it wasn't for that scene, you wouldn't have had that almost like last shot where he's looking out of the window and you see the old man meeting his son for Christmas. And that kind of, I was like, that's that's a powerful moment because, you know, that that's not just about the McAllister house, is it? That That's about a different family unit and kind of, it, it kind of hits a note of a happy ending even more. Mm. So nine o'clock is here. The church bells are ringing. The microwave mac and cheese is on the plate. He's about to get burgled. It's showtime. But the defences that he's thought of, water on the steps because it's going to freeze into ice. Very good. Joe Pesci knows exactly. <laughs> his he, The way he dealt with the steps, like comedy-wise, is just, he knew what he was doing, didn't he? Like, very good. Those those steps that you talk about, Joe Pesci going up and Daniel Stern going down, I mean, they're stunt guys flinging themselves downstairs and flinging themselves up in the air. And they're real steps. I mean, there's no CGI. It's just them just hurling themselves in 10 foot in the air. And like on those micro machines, Chris Columbus just said, look, if it... As, just make it look as painful as possible and it'll be funny. Don't worry about the rest of your career, but this will be a banger. You know when Macaulay Culkin's going up and he's in Buzz's room? Yeah. And he opens up the magazine, the picture frame and he goes, Buzz, your girlfriend, woof. Yeah. You know, that was, it's actually a little boy. It's not a girl. Because Chris Columbus didn't want it to be an actual girl because she would be forever known as the ugly girl on Home Alone. Wow. So he made the art director get a photo of his son and dress him up like a really ugly girl. So it's actually a boy. I love the bit where he climbs the shelves in Buzz's room. That that stunt, I thought, was just perfect, great, worked really well. That was a small 30-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> Basic you, then. <laughs> he was a small stuntman, obviously, for... Stunting the kids. Do you think he's good as an eight-year-old? Then do you think he's amazing? I don't. I don't know if he's amazing. He's certainly got something. You can't take your eyes off him when he is on the screen. He does say he, he's, but I don't think it's Oscar-winning performances. He doesn't really get much into the emotion, but he, he knows the comedy, and he knows what's going to get a laugh. I think it's that. Yeah. I think he was good when he was on his own. Yes. I think when he was with other people, he didn't seem that good. And is that because he's playing against other people and adults? But also, that's the charm of Home Alone. Yeah. It's his face. Oh, it's that. You only need that. Or his hands when he runs up the stairs every time. Yeah, you don't need... And actually, to be fair, he's very, very good in that scene in the church. And I think... You know, he he's very, very good in that. And he actually, he plays a bit of pathos very well. But it's that face every time he fucking, ah, he looks into the camera. He really does it really well. He's a kid on his own. You know, that's that scene of him doing, um, he's doing, you know, he gets out of the shower and he's doing his hair. And, and, the, after, and the famous Home Alone with the hands on the face. Yeah. 
what was written, as John Hughes had written, that he gets the aftershave and he slaps his face, he moves his hand, and then he screams after realising that it burns. What Macaulay Culkin's done on the take is he's left his hands there. He's not moved them. And he screamed. Yeah. And that's become iconic, that. So because he's done that... I mean, that was the poster for the fucking film. That's on all the videos, that's on the T-shirts. You think of Home Alone. You think of that. And he's just done that in, like, one take. And he was meant to move his hands, and he hasn't for one take or one reason, or I don't know. But that's just become iconic. What I also really like about this film is how real and how I do buy into everything that that family left their kid. As awful as it is, and as unrealistic as everyone goes on and goes, but you're not going to leave your kid home alone. You're not going to do it. And the fact that she does it again in Home Alone 2, I can buy into it every single time. Because I think John Hughes, what he's done, cleverly in the writing, is he's explained every single reason as to why they left them and their reaction to leaving them I think is completely justified I love the fact that the dad ain't got a clue he's just happy to be getting out of the house and he's glad he's made the plane I like the way the fucking parents go first class <laughs> yeah I love that I love that's that that's fucking brilliant isn't it to not <laughs> yeah. give a fuck will they be alright well no they fucking won't it's, t- it's got to be 10 hours, 12 hours. I went on holiday with my mates. I'm, I think I'm safe. They won't be listening to the podcast. I went on holiday with my mates to Cancun um, and their parents flew first class and left us in economy. It was like, we would have been like 15. <laughs> my brother had seats and they, they weren't together. So there's three of them and he was on his own. He said, right, don't worry. I'll go on my own. You sit there with the kids. I'll go on my own. The three seats were, I think, in like premium economy or something. My brother's at the back. He's at the box. Right at the back with the food and the loo. Anyway, they check in. He goes to check in. They go, I'm really sorry, sir. But we've sold your seat. And he goes, oh, fuck. What, I can't get on the flight? They went, well, you can but there's only, one, there's only one seat left. It's first class. And he's like, fucking <laughs> This is fucking great. So he goes on the plane. He turns right, waves them off to the bit, the, the, the economy. He turns right, loops the economy, goes back up into first yes. and goes, yes, I'm fucking in. Anyway, so he's out there, he's getting ready, whatever. Tap on the shoulder. It's his wife. What the fuck's going on? Oh, well, they sold my seat, so they put me in first class. And she went, oh, right, right, I'll sort this out. We'll swap. <laughs> yeah, she gets a guy next to them. She goes, look. And he goes, no, 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 no one's going to swap. <gasps> so she gets the guy from Economy and says, <laughs> yes, you can go into first. Oh. Are you joking? You can be with us. Oh. <laughs> no, so then they all could sit together. Oh, that's bollocks. Oh, I'd be fuming. My fucking head fell off. I thought, that is brilliant. She went, no, don't worry. 
you could be in premium economy or whatever. Anyone's going to swap with you. No, and he said, no, 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 they won't. They won't. They'll think it's a scam. <laughs> yeah, think it's a as he's pressing recline with his glass of orange juice. <laughs> and as he's, as he's stuffing everything in, he's grabbing the pajamas. He's watched all the films. It's the way that, it's the way he did a loop to pretend he was still in the economy. Oh, so he didn't tell them. No, oh. he did a loop. Like, as if to go, yeah, bye. And then he did it. And of course she fucking saw him. Like, fuck me. That is uh, fucking made me laugh. But I like the way, I think if I go, if I ever go anywhere now, that's going to be my way. I'm going to go first. And they can, well, I can't even afford first. I'll go front of economy. Virgin Upper. You could afford Virgin Upper. When we do the South Cinema Club tour to Canada... We'll fly Virgin Upper and we'll send Jack and Henry in economy. <laughs> Sat at the bar. So where are we now? We're nearly end, aren't we? Because she's been... What's running against the whole film is the mum trying to get back. I was going to ask what your favourite um, like stunt is out of all of them. I think iron through the laundry chute. The iron's very good. Tarantula's very good. But Daniel Stern sells it with the scream doesn't it yeah they're all very good they're all like jack said they're all believable mm. they're all household things i might set it up now to see if i could repel some burglars the nail in the foot toy soldiers that goes through me that they've had a rum do by the end the gun pellet in the balls you'll be able to answer this jack does he actually zip wire out the bedroom window into the tree out it's the, it's the stunt it's the kid the eight-year-old stunt kid Okay. Yeah, it's not him. You can see it's not him. Wig. Yeah. He's going, Aah. I've got Macaulay Culkland as he looks in my head now. And whenever I see him as a kid, I just see him as he looks now, I think. What, 40 year old? Yeah. I have to say as well, you know, she's on the plane. Yeah. And she's going, we've forgotten something, we've forgotten something. And then she just goes, Kevin! I do that on flights. And it always gets a laugh. <laughs> as we're halfway as we're halfway through the journey whoever I'm sat with I go I feel like I feel like we've forgotten something they're like what and I'm getting them to go for everything and then I go oh no and they go is that it and then I go oh no that's not it and then eventually I just shout Kevin at top of my voice but anyone who's around me always like always gets a laugh <laughs> he is funny he's he's funny it's funny he's funny you watch, you watch, he's going to say Kevin. I wonder if they get that all the time. Every other flight, watch. Here we go, someone's going to shout Kevin. There we go. Right, let's take a quick break then, and we'll come back and we will rate the film. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. 
Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Ratings. Starting off with you then, Jack. Your film. Your Christmas pick. My Christmas pick. My favourite Christmas film of all time. Like Ben's kids, I watch it every year. I think you've got to watch it every year. Well, if you like it, you do. And I really like it. Um, I believe in all of it. I really do. I think Joe Pesci, the actors, Macaulay Culkin, Daniel Stern. And John Williams, they tried. I didn't say this as well. They had some music composer who was on to do the music. And after it was all edited together, for one reason or another, he couldn't do the music anymore. It wasn't working and he pulled out of um, the production. So they needed a composer. As a gag, they sent the rough edit to John Williams to see if he would be interested at the time, he'd done Raiders of the Lost Ark, E.T., fucking Star Wars. So, I mean, he's Hollywood gold. They sent it him as a gag, and he said, yeah. I mean, they, they couldn't believe their luck, and he went, yeah, all right, I'll score it. And he's just come up with some of those iconic, classic Home Alone songs that we know. And, yeah, I think that was great that they got him. Daniel Stern, they had him on board, and they filmed with him for six weeks. And then they decided that they were going to need him for an extra two weeks filming or something. And he, and he But they weren't going to pay him. And he said, what do you mean you need me for two weeks, but you're not going to pay me? And they went, we can't go up. We've already gone over budget. This is when Warner Brothers were involved, not 20th Century Fox. And um, he said, well, I'm not going to do it then. Just out of principle. I can't work for free. I'm not going to do the film. So they said, all right. And he was gone from the production. And they rehired a different actor. And they started working with him and Joe Pesci. And it just was the chemistry wasn't there between Joe Pesci and this other actor. And they went, we're going to need to get Daniel Stern back. Then the whole massive fuck-up with Warner Brothers and 20th Century Fox. Then when 20th Century Fox came back on board, they went, who's this earlier actor that you've got, Daniel Stern? And they went, oh yeah, but we couldn't afford him. And they went, right, get him back. He's the guy we need. And luckily they did. Because otherwise he would be forever known as not being in that film. And in fact he is, he's Marv. And they got him back and they paid him accordingly what they should have done originally. And yeah, he's, he's in the film. Rating. How many fucking ratings? Sorry. Jesus this, Christ. This episode has been the Jack P. Shepard fact show. It's been my pick. Rating. And if it rating, wasn't that. Rating. Rating 10. As, as as boring as it is, 10. It's a 10. Colson, go. Um, For me. You're going to go shit, aren't you? You can't go shit on Home Alone. No, I'm not. <laughs> no, I'm not going shit. Think about what to say, because I've not spoke all episode. Oh, come on. It's a very good Christmas film. It gets you in the spirit. I think what I noticed this time that I hadn't probably noticed before was 
the niceties of the old man, the neighbour. I'd complete. I I didn't even acknowledge that as a part previously. Whereas I think on this rewatch, you kind of just see that relationship with something else, and that's really nice. Solid Christmas film. Um, oh, you're going on nearly as long as him now. <laughs> eight, eight. Right, eight, fine. Eight, great, great. <sighs> God, eight, fine. Yeah, ten. I'm not talking about it. Is it ten then? Yeah. Ten. I'm not going to talk about it. Let's move on. <laughs> Jack's Hidden Gem. What do you mean? We've talked about it enough. It's ten. 28 out of 30. Why? What What do you mean? You're saying it like you're pissed off it's ten. Because I don't, I don't think... <laughs> You don't, I don't, I truly believe that film doesn't need to go, it's a 10. It's a perfect Christmas film. I've watched it with my family. It makes me fucking laugh. I love watching it every time. It's full of fucking Christmas. The performance is great. The script's great. The direction's great. What else you got there? Yeah, but you sound like you're pissed off with a 10. <laughs> no, 10. What do you want? Yeah, it's a fucking 10. What do you yeah, want from me? I, do, <laughs> I don't think it bears, like, fucking going... I don't think it needs... I know what you mean. You don't need to go... Uh, you know yeah, what I mean? You don't need it to go... It just works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of people at home, when they say Home Alone, what would you rate? They'll just go, well, it is a 10, isn't it? It, it is... It, it just is. That's how people see it, and that's what Ben's saying. He's, it, it, I think once in a once in a while, whatever genre it is, a horror, whatever, you get a film and you go, do you know what? I'd be right shit if I tried to pull holes in there. It's ten. You can watch it for years. Yeah. One last question then before we move on to Jackson and Gems. Can you watch this film when it's not Christmas? I think so. Yeah, but I wouldn't. I like it at Christmas. But yeah. I could watch Die Hard at any time. Jack's Hidden Gem of the, the Week. <laughs> right, Hidden Gem this week. I don't know if you two have seen this. I don't think you will have done, actually. But it's on Disney again. I mean, Disney are just absolutely out the park at the minute. I'll tell you what, I can see that firm working. I, I, they're on to summer. If they play the cards right, Ben, I think they're on to summer. <laughs> uh, summer big... If they maybe got, like, a theme park, it could really work. Sky's the limit. So, Disney, uh, Disney Plus, it's on there. Uh, Documentary. I think it's a three-parter. Big watch. Um, Good few hours. I'm only halfway through the first app, all right? So, no spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) No, hang on. Hang on. I've only watched 20 minutes. Hang on. Hang on, Ben. I've watched the credits. No, no. Big watch. No, no. Three apps. The first app's two and a half hours long. Ooh. Right? That's a hefty But listen, you don't know what it is. You don't know what it is. It's the Beatles documentary. Ah, yeah. Brilliant. Amazing. Right? So you can do this. You can pick 20 minutes there, 30 minutes there, whatever. Basically what it is, I think it's 1969, and they're recording a special TV show, right, for their fans. They haven't performed together for two years since fucking up in America and saying they were bigger than Christ. And all of a sudden they were kicked out of America and they got sent home and they haven't been in public since performing. They've had some downtime. They're coming back for this sort of like comeback show, TV show type thing. And they're undecided as to whether perform it to a television audience or what. None of them want to go abroad because they're in London and it's like 1st, 2nd of January. So it's right after Christmas and they're coming up with ideas and they're in the studio and the footage that they've got, it's all four of them in the studio 
it's a television studio in London, Twickenham, I think it is. And you can sort of see the cracks in the band. And they've got all they've picked up all their audio from their mics and it's them discussing songs, them discussing what they're gonna do for the future, them saying what their ideas are for this show, and you see as they're all having conversations and if if they're all having arguments, fucking Paul McCartney's in the background writing the long and winding road and like get back. And like the, all these classics, Beatles songs, you see them literally writing them and coming up with the material. I've seen the get back. They've got to come up with 14 brand new songs in 14 days and perform them and get them out. So what do you think as a whole watch, what, it's like seven hour watch? I'm not sure. I think it's three eps and the first one's two and a half hours, but I don't know how long the, the other two eps are. But I'm halfway, I'm nearly right at the end of the first one. And it is, it's spectacular. And how they've remastered it, the cameras and the picture quality and the sound, it's unbelievable. What's his face, didn't it? Lord of the Rings did it. Peter Jackson. Yeah, he did it. It is really good. It's really good footage. And it's a, it's a proper fly on the wall. And it's stuff you've never seen before. Because it's them sort of like having a go at each other. And you think, oh, this is fucking interesting. I never knew this shit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But when you see like Paul McCartney, like literally writing the song and coming up with it and thinking, I'm not right. I'm not sure on that verse. Yeah. And it sounds fucking mint. And you're like, I can't believe he's literally just wrote, get back. Yeah. And I've just witnessed him doing it. Yeah. Really, really good watch. So that's your gem this week. Boom. That's the gem for this week. Next week, we are watching your choice of Christmas film. It's our last episode before Christmas. And as always, we put it out to you guys on Instagram to ask you what film you wanted us to watch for Christmas. Oh, yes. A little bone to pick here with you, Colson. We put it out to the audience, but you shoved your little 10 peas in. Didn't win, though, did it? Polar Express. Yeah, but that's that's making the audience straight away Polar Express. And then you had a little toss, tussle with your mum. Oh, did you have a little vote? He went Polar Express straight off. He went... Top, top thing, top comment, Polar Express Colson. You're not a fucking viewer. You're not a viewer. Well, I I am. I listen. (laughs) Well, anyway, it didn't come out on the random generator, sadly, for me. But the films that did come out were Family Stone, never heard of it, versus Jingle All The Way, also never heard of it. Have you not? And the other semi-final was Gremlins versus National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. So from semi-final one, it was a landslide for Jingle all the way. Smashed it. Smashed it. Semi-final number two, it was tight. Only 20 votes in it. Ooh. Gremlins versus National Lampoon's. National Lampoon's won. It's a shit film. So that means the final <laughs> was Jingle All The Way versus oh, National Lampoon's oh. Christmas Vacation. And the film that we are watching next week for the last ever Christmas special of Sofa Cinema Club is Jingle All The Way. Wow. Oh, wow. Schwarzenegger. Oh, is it? Wow. Oosh. So that's what we're watching, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can do on Twitter and Instagram at Sofa Cinema Club. Remember that we are on Patreon and YouTube, and next week we are posting our first ever video onto YouTube. 
So to find out more, make sure you go over to there and subscribe and be ready to find out what we got up to. We will see you on Monday for Sofa Cinema Club Extraterrestrial and back here on Thursday for the last Sofa Cinema Club Christmas special where we are watching Jingle All The Way. See you next week. Good night. God bless. Bye-bye. Good night. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.